Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 23, 21-23. Labored over this text, and I'm trusting God to say something that'll help somebody. Deuteronomy 23 and 21. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows, or you will be guilty of sin. However, it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow. But once you have voluntarily made a vow, be careful to fulfill your promise to the Lord your God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want to talk simply from the thought this morning, when you make a vow. When you make a vow. When we make vows, our vows lock us in to doing whatever we've pledged to do. And we make all types of vows, don't we? We enter into all types of binding agreements. Our text specifically deals with vows a worshiper makes to God. But in life, we make all kinds of vows or binding promises to other persons or institutions. When you buy a car, when you buy a car, or when you have anything financed, whether it is a car for 36 months, 48 months, 60 months, 72 months, or a house for 30 years, uh, you are basically making a vow to who, whomever the lending institution is, you're vowing, y'all loan me this money, I'll pay y'all back. Air penny plus interest, <laughs> any late fees that may be involved. And if the truth is told, many of us don't have a problem entering such agreements. We don't have a problem entering an agreement to pay back a bank or a credit union or a mortgage lender for loan loaning us money to buy a car or to use a credit card or to buy a house. We shout and jump for joy when we get the keys to a brand new house and we have to spend the next 15, 30 years paying for that bad boy. When you swear into the military or when a po political person, a judge or a mayor, governor, a city council person, senators, state representatives, federal, uh, national representatives, president, vice president have to, have to swear in, they are, they're taking an oath they're making a promise uh, to whatever it is stated in that particular, that particular oath. Again, our text specifically deals with worshipers making vows to God, but we enter binding agreements all the time. In a courtroom, when you raise your right hand, and uh, I don't think they have you put your hand on the Bible anymore, but you swear or affirm to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. You're making a pledge, you're making an, you're basically taking a vow that you say you will, you will tell the truth while you're on that witness stand. 
And it's so serious to where if they catch you lying, you can, you can be held up for charges of perjury. Oh, and then we have marital vows. Marital vows. When she's walking up that aisle in her white dress. Yeah, the brother, the groom, and best man, and the preacher, or justice of the peace, or whomever is standing there. And you're ready to take all these vows to honor, cherish, and love, and sickness, and in health, and richer, poorer, better, worse. All of that stuff you, you say, and you might mean it that day. Yeah, you might mean it that day. All those tears in your eyes and all that carrying on. But 10, 20 years later, and so, for some folks, 10 months later, <laughs> 20 months later, it's a different ballgame. 10 weeks later, it's a different ballgame. But we take those marriage vows seriously. And... I think all of us would, would assume that marriage vows must be a part of the wedding ceremony. But do you, know, do you not know that most states do not require, do not, re, do not require any vows in a wedding ceremony? There is no national script that we as pastors or justice of the peace or anyone performing a, a wedding has to follow. You, you do not have to have vows in your wedding ceremony. But just imagine, imagine, any of y'all who have daughters, imagine a young man wants to marry your daughter and he's, he's a stand-up guy. You're impressed with the guy. You're impressed in there and, and, and he asks you for your blessing to marry your daughter and you grant your blessing. So they're planning the wedding and the, the plans are going forward. But then your daughter comes and tells you, he said he doesn't want any vows in the wedding. He just basically wants us to get the marriage license. Come, come to the church or the, the, the event center or, or, or wherever we're going to be and uh, and, and we make our pledge of intent, which most states require. And, and then we, we just pledge our intent. I intend to be a good husband to you. Then she says, I intend to be a good wife to you. Then the person performing the ceremony simply has to say, by the authority invested in me, by the state of whatever, I pronounce you man and wife. And legally, that's it. But how would you feel? How many... How would you feel as a, especially the dads, but, but any parent, how would you feel if some dude wanted to marry your daughter and said, I got a problem with these, with these vows. I, I don't know if, I don't know if I want to vow to love, honor, and cherish. I mean, I, that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. You know your daughter. That's a lot of pressure. In sickness and in health. I don't think, I don't think any of us in the room, I don't think any of you on the stream, I don't think any of you on the conference call would be okay with some man wanting to marry your daughter, but having a problem with these, with these vows. I mean, I'm going to make sure she all right. I'm, I'm going to do the best I can to make sure she's straight. But vows before God and witnesses... I don't think any of us would be, would be all right with that, especially if he is adamant about not 
taking any vows. But uh, I know I'm, I'm making an assumption, but how many of y'all would support such a ceremony like that with, with your daughter? I didn't, I didn't think so. But I wonder, are some of us guilty of that posture in our relationship with the Lord? Are some of us in a relationship with God similar to a husband who never took vows when he married his wife? Are too many of us in a loose worship commitment where we, we are sure to have the door open to being unfaithful to God? Is it possible that one could never make a vow about anything? Is it possible to never make a vow to God about anything and as a result be lackadaisical about everything? Lack a days ago, I was yesterday years old when I found out the word is not lackadaisical. Lackadaisical. Lacking enthusiasm or determination, carelessly lazy, half-hearted. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that anyone who never makes a vow about anything unto God is lackadaisical about everything. There are some worshipers who never make a vow to learn, but they've committed to learning and being taught. Because they know that's what the Lord demands of them. There are some worshipers who never made a vow to serve. But they serve faithfully and fervently because they've given God their yes. There are plenty of worshipers who have never made a vow to give. But they tithe and give an offering because they know that's what the Lord has commanded. There are some worshipers who have never made a vow to connect. But they connect with others because they love to fellowship. And be in relationships where iron is sharpening iron. Besides, y'all, besides, the scripture expli explicitly proclaimed that, that it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow unto the Lord our God. But take a closer look at verse 21 of our text today. It says, when you make a vow. When, not, not if you make a vow. When you make a vow. When when you make a vow, when you swear to God with an oath, when you, when you bind yourself with what proceeds from your mouth, and in most cases the vow implies a promised gift or sacrifice, not merely a course of action as it is implied in the word, in the word vow. To, to say when you make a vow suggests that, seems to suggest that people of God would make them. Whenever you make a vow, our text suggests, be sure to keep it. It was common in many ancient religions for persons to make vows to their respective deity. They may have made requests for fertile crops, victory in war, or some other significant need and, and attach a vow to it. God, if you bless my crops to flourish, I'll do this for you. If you, if you bless my wife to be fertile, I'll, bless, I'll, I'll honor you with this. It was common even for the Jews to make vows to God too. Some vows were an expression of gratitude or devotedness to God's service. Some vows were made when they had been raised up from sickness or delivered from danger or calamity. Have any of you made any COVID-related vows? Lord, if you heal me from Rona, I'll serve you, Lord. Lord, I lost my job because of Rona. But if you open a door for another job, I'll tithe from every check I get. I promise, Lord. We have in Scripture the Nazarite vow. I'd like for you to look at this. It's in Numbers chapter 6. Beginning at verse 2, the, the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow could be made by men or women, and it would be for a certain amount of time for men or women to consecrate themselves 
for special service unto the Lord for a specified time. The Nazarite vow, Numbers chapter 6, beginning at verse 2. Numbers, Numbers chapter 6, beginning at verse 2. Give the following instructions to the people of God. Number 6, verse 2. If any of you, any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, setting themselves apart to the Lord in a special day, Verse 3 of number 6 says they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from wine or from other alcoholic drinks. They must not drink fresh grape juice. And they must not eat grapes or raisins. As long as they are bound by their Nazarite vow, they are allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine. They are not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine, not even the grape seeds or skins. They must never cut their hair throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart to the Lord. Until the time of their vow has been fulfilled, they must let their hair grow long. And they must not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow to the Lord, even if the dead person is their own father, mother, brother, or sister. They must not defile themselves for the hair on their head as a symbol of separation uh, to God. This requirement applies as long as they are set apart to the Lord. In other words, this Nazarite vow will be a vow that people could take for just a certain amount of time to, to, to further dedicate themselves unto God. The Apostle Paul may have taken such a vow. And in the book of Acts, we read about the Apostle Paul going to Jerusalem to, to fulfill his vow. For it was believed that, that, that that's where the, the vow, the Nazarite vow had to be fulfilled. In today's text, in today's text, Moses' words to the children of Israel are really, really a reiteration of what he told them in Numbers 30 and 2. In Numbers 30 and 2, uh, uh, Moses told the people of God, a man who makes a vow to the Lord or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he said he would do. He, she must do exactly what they said they would do. So the question before us today is, what can we learn from today's text about making vows to the Lord? Three things real quick we're going to raise up. Number one, when you make a vow, do so voluntarily. When you make a vow, do so voluntarily. I'm in verses 22 and 20, or 21 and 22. In fact, the entire, uh, the entire text. But let me, let me, I'll tell you what, look at verse 23. Verse 23, but once you have voluntarily made a vow, be careful to fulfill your promise to the Lord, your God. Vows are to be made voluntarily. It is up to the individual worshiper to make a vow of their own volition and free will. It is like when we sign certain documents and we have to acknowledge we are doing so of our own free will and no one is coercing us or forcing us to do so. These vows made unto the Lord our God is to be done so voluntarily. And please note again, y'all, that God speaks through his, ser his servant Moses and explicitly states that it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow. Making a vow is done voluntarily. So if I never make a vow to the Lord, nothing really is lost on my part. You are no less of a worshiper if you never make a vow unto the Lord. Although there are several verses in the Bible regarding vows and it appears to have been a normal uh, a part of the ancient Jewish uh, worship process, there isn't a vast cloud of witnesses available to us in Scripture 
who made vows. Make vows voluntarily. Let the church say voluntarily. Make vows voluntarily. It's just something you do because you want to do it. It's something you do as an expression of your love for God or your expression of, of your devotion to God. Make your vows voluntarily, but not foolishly or carelessly. Proverbs 20 and 25 says, Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. In other words, don't make a promise to God and then after you make it, then you wonder if you can really come through and do what you said you would do. Make vows voluntarily, but not foolishly or carelessly. Never make a promise you're not sure you can keep. And you certainly do not want to make a vow you know good and well you cannot keep, especially to the Lord. Do not make vows foolishly or carelessly. When you, when you make a vow, do so because you want to. Make the vow of your own free will as an act of worship and readiness to hold up your end of the, agree of the agreement. Uh, you cannot blame COVID for making you make vows that you made to the Lord. If you made any COVID-related vows, you did so because you volunteered to do so. If you told God you'd serve him and let him use you, if he saw you through the Rona, you made such a vow because you volunteered to do so. If you told God you'd serve him if he saved your loved one or restored your marriage, you, 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 you voluntarily did so. Don't blame your unsaved loved one or anyone else for, for a vow you simply decided to make. It is up to each of us to make vows unto the Lord. And we all make vows of our own volition. So why make a vow? Why, why make a vow unto the Lord? That's a good question. I'm, I'm glad you asked. One good reason to make a vow is to do so for victory. Now, this takes me to my second point. My second point, y'all, is when you make a vow, it is unto the Lord your God. When you make a vow, it is unto the Lord your God. And we're going to see how, how there were some people in Scripture who made vows unto the Lord and, and it changed their lives. It, it brought them out of situations with, with great victory. But, but look at verse 21 of our text. When you, when you make a vow, it is unto the Lord your God. When you make a vow, verse 21, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him for the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows or you will be guilty of sin. Uh, verse 23, but once you have voluntarily made a vow, be careful to fulfill your promise to the Lord your God. Make vows unto the Lord your God. Many vows in scripture were made out of a sense of need, some, some, sometimes even a sense of desperation. And we see a few instances where a worshiper needed God to move on their behalf to bring victory in some sort of a situation. They knew no one else could do what they had asked God to do. They, they knew no one else could do what they needed done in their lives. So, so they voluntarily promised that if God granted their request, they do a certain thing in response when we make our vows we need to know to whom they are being made they're being made to the Lord our God Lord the existing one is it may be the proper name for God Yehovah Yehovah the the existing one the self-sufficient one the one the one who exists the one who was before there was an is the one who, who who stood out on nothing and created everything God who who was here before before was here God who will be here after after is gone God who the existing one the 
Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah, our God, our Elohim, the great one, the, the mighty one, the, the, the divine one, God, who, who can do what no other power can do, God, who can work miracles like no other power, God, who can release signs and wonders like no other power. He is the Lord, my God. And, and if he does what I ask him to do, and I put a vow attached to it, or what I need him to do, then I, I, I'll be committing, I, I'll be committing uh, myself to this vow. But, but if he does what I ask him to do, what I need him to do, then I'll commit to doing a certain significant thing in response. Now watch this, y'all. I can simply go to God in prayer and make my request known with supplication and thanksgiving and leave it at that. Jesus taught us I can simply pray in faith believing I have already received what I've asked for and Jesus says I'll have it. I don't have to attach a vow to my prayer request but some people in the Bible did and God moved on their behalf. I'm not saying a vow can get God to move on your behalf I'm, I, I, but the Bible shows some instances where he did and when he moved it changed folks lives when they attached a vow to their to their prayer request when they when they put a vow in the mix you can see in scripture where God moved on their behalf and it brought them out of their situation with victory is there anybody here who needs a victory in some area of your life maybe in your finances maybe in your family maybe even just in your faith maybe in your mind may, maybe in your in your health maybe in, in, even in your ministry if you need some victory in your life and if you need something done that only God can do I'm not telling you that you have to make a vow but I'm going to show you in the word of God where some people were so desperate they attached a vow to their prayer and God moved on their behalf I'm telling you that making a vow can change your life if you think I'm lying, just ask Jacob. Jacob in, J in Genesis chapter 28, Gen Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 to 22, Jacob made a vow unto God. Jacob, G Genesis 28, verse 20 says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. That statement is very significant. Then the Lord shall be my God. For there are some scholars that question, maybe Jacob wasn't a wholehearted worshiper of Jehovah, of Yahweh just yet. And, and he's, putting, he's putting this God to a test. He is the God of his forefathers. And Jacob, Jacob here may be saying, if, if God moves on my behalf, I'll convert and worship him and him alone. Genesis 20 and 22 Jacob goes on to say and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house shall be Bethel the house of God and all of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee making a vow unto the Lord your God can change your life it can bring victory in your life you need to realize that the vows we make unto God we are making unto the Lord our God and if you don't think me and Jacob are enough witnesses for you ask the children of Israel the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 21 verses 2 and 3 made a vow unto God in Numbers 21 and 2 then the people of Israel made this vow to the Lord if you will hand these people over to us 
We will completely destroy all their towns. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. The Israelites completely destroyed them and their towns, and the place has been called Hormah ever since. I'm telling you that when you make a vow unto God, you don't have to, for the Bible clearly tells us that it is not a sin to refrain from making vows unto God. But there are some examples in Scripture that were when people prayed when they had a need, when they were desperate, and they prayed unto God for him to move on their behalf, and they attached a vow to the prayer, there are some instances in Scripture where God moved on their behalf and gave them victory. But you don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe Jacob. You don't have to believe Israel. Matter of fact, for all my sisters, if you have a problem that, that I mentioned myself as a man and Jacob as a man and the children of Israel as a collective, uh, let, let me help all my feminist sisters. If you don't believe any of us, ask Hannah. First Samuel chapter 1, Hannah is praying. She wants a child so bad. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 11, she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. He'll celebrate his locks every year. He'll put selfies on Facebook with, of his lock anniversary every year. God, if you move on my behalf, I'll give and give me a son. I'll give him back to you. And she had a son, named him Samuel, and gave him over to the Lord to serve God all of his days. He is, God is the Lord, our God. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. He, he can do it with or without your vow. I hope somebody heard me today. I wrestled with this text and the, the conclusion is God can move on your behalf with or without your vow. But there are some examples in scripture when people prayed for God to move and attached a vow to it and God moved on their behalf. Is anybody praying with me today? He can change your life by your faith and your persistence in prayer. But when you add a vow to the mix, the Bible shows it can change your life. I'm not saying that the vow makes God move on your behalf. I'm saying the vow unto the Lord your God can change your life. I'm not saying the vow makes God move any faster than he would without the vow. I'm saying making a vow unto the one who can fight your battles can change your life. Making a vow is not some magic trick to get God to do what you want or desperately need him to do but making a vow unto the one who can impregnate a dead barren situation can change your life he is the Lord your God he is the one who can heal he is the one who can deliver he is the one who can save he is the one who can provide he is the one who can release miracles he can release signs he can release wonders he is the Lord our God cancer is no match for the Lord our God lupus is no match for the Lord our God COVID is no match for the Lord our God grief is no match for the Lord our God depression is no match for for the Lord our God. Anxiety is no match for the Lord our God. A criminal record is no match for the Lord our God. He is the Lord our God and he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all any of us could ever ask 
or think. And if you pray and ask him to move on your behalf with your faith alone, God can move and give you what you need. But the Bible shows when you attach a vow to it that there are times when God has moved and the vow has changed people's lives. And if God grants your request after you've made your vow, fulfill your vow quickly. This takes me to my third and final point. When you make a vow, fulfill it quickly. I'm in verse 21. Verse 21, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows or you will be, gu will be guilty of sin. And if your vow is based on a certain condition, please remember, if you gave God one of those, if you do this, then I'll do that kind of vows in prayer and God comes through for you, you've got to come through for him. If you've come to God knowing that the Bible says you don't have to make a vow, but you voluntarily chose to attach a vow to your prayer and God comes through for you. You've got to come through for him. The Bible says in verse 21, or you will be guilty of sin. If God has come through for you, you must come through for him. Nobody told you to make that vow. Nobody made you make that vow. You simply made the vow. And if God came through for you, you must come through for him. Anybody praying with me today? And do so without excuses, do so without delay or hesitation. Otherwise, the Bible says to not fulfill the vow is sin. This is why we must not be foolish or careless in making a vow unto the Lord our God. Take a look at Jephthah. I want you to look at Judges 11, beginning at verse 30, and we're going to wrap this up. Judges chapter 11. Starting at verse 30. I'm going to read Judges 11. Beginning at verse 30. Down to verse 39. Judges 11. Starting at, starting at verse 30. Jephthah made a foolish vow. Unto the Lord his God. God came through for Jethro, Jephthah. And Jephthah fulfilled his foolish vow. Verse 30. Judges 11 and 30. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said. If you give me victory over the Ammonites. I will give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house. To meet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Now. I think some of y'all may already be able to see the foolishness. In this vow. You can really see it when you back up, when you rewind the DVD to verse 29. Look at verse 29 real quick. At verse 29, at that time, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He was anointed. He was among very few in the Old Testament who had the Holy Ghost upon him. And, and the other thing that makes it foolish is he was already victorious in other battles. Verse 29, at that time, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mizpah and Gilead. And from there, he led an army against Ammonites. He'd already had numerous victories. But this one, Jephthah is like, I don't know if we can take these dudes here now. 
So God, here's what I'm going to do. If you put the Ammonites in my hand, when I get home on leave from fighting in this war, the first thing that runs out my house to greet me, I'll offer to you as a sacrifice. That's a foolish vow. What do you think is going to run out your house to greet you when you come home from having been away at war. Now, some of y'all might be saying, well, his, he might have been thinking his dog would run out to meet him. Well, that's, that's foolish because when you talk about vows and, and vowing something to God, vow something he wants. Vow something he's already made clear is not an abomination. And to sacrifice a dog unto God in that day and time would have been an abomination. It was something, God don't want no dog. What was Jephthah thinking? Some scholars believe that Jephthah may have been influenced by heathen religion who who had a practice of sacrificing their wives and their daughters and their sons. But you got to keep reading. Listen, you ain't seen the foolishness, the the foolishnesses foolishness of this text because you know you have some foolishness then you got some foolishness sir that's more foolish than the foolishness but when I tell you this dude gave up some the, the most foolishness foolishness verse 31 I will give to the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering so Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites and the Lord gave him victory he crushed the Ammonites, devastating about 20 towns from Aror to an area near Mineth and as far away as Abel Keramim. In this way, Israel defeated the Ammonites. Here it comes. When Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter came out to meet him, playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. Here's the most foolishness that makes it so awful. She was his one and only child. Some of y'all have one child. It's your, it's your baby girl. It's the only one you got. And you, if you had 10 children, you'd love, and, you'd love all of them and treat all of them precious. But when you, when you got one, can I get a witness? When you got one daughter, one child, and it's just your baby girl. Verse 35, when he saw her, He tore his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried out. You have completely destroyed me. You brought disaster on me. Why are you blaming her? She didn't tell you to make that dumb vow that you made. Out of your immaturity, out of your foolishness, being careless. She didn't tell you to to sacrifice her in your little vow. But listen to what she says in verse, verse 36. She said, Father... If you have made a vow to the Lord, you must do to me what you have vowed. For the Lord has given you a great victory over your enemies, the Ammonites. But first, let me do this one thing. Let me go to the mall real quick. I think that's what was up in them hills. Let me go up and roam in the hills and weep with my friends for two months because I will die a virgin. You may go, Jephthah said, and he sent her away for two months. She and her little friends, 
went into the hills and wept because she would never have children, which many of us know was a big deal in that day and time. Verse 39. Verse 39 is so tragic. It's so awful. There are some verses in the Bible that I wish was not in the Bible. And this is one of them. When she returned home, her, her dumb daddy kept the vow he had made, and she died a virgin. Don't be so quick to make vows when you're so desperate and you want God to do something and you're making these vows. Don't, don't be so quick. Don't be so foolish because the vow you make, you have to fulfill it. Now, Jephthah, if Jephthah had, had decided, I'm not sacrificing my daughter, he would have been in sin, but his daughter would have lived. I, I'm not one to tell anybody, go on and sin. Go on, God, he'll forget, go on and sin. But in this instance, if Jephthah had come to my office saying, Pastor, I made a vow. And I offered the first thing that run out my house. I'd have said, you fool, you ain't had no business offering your daughter. God don't want you, want you to offer your daughter as a sacrifice. God wants you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. I'd have told Jephthah, don't you take your girl. Don't you take your baby girl and take a knife to her and kill her. When you make a vow, fulfill it quickly but vow something God wants vow something unto the Lord your God that he would delight in receiving from you vow something unto the Lord your God that speaks of sacrifice something that speaks of value something that speaks of worth something that aligns with his word something that he told you to give him something that he delights in you giving him don't don't offer God a vow that that he that he made clear that he doesn't even want But when you make a vow, do what you said you do. Fulfill your vow. Fulfill some good vows. If you said you were going to serve him, then fulfill your vow and serve him. Do what you said you were going to do. If you vowed to give him some sort of special financial offering, then fulfill your vow and do what you said you were going to do. If you vowed to birth some sort of ministry, then fulfill, fulfill your vow and do what you said you were going to do. Because after all, isn't that what God does for us? Isn't God faithful to where he does for us whatever he promised he would do? Isn't God faithful to where he will do whatever he said he would do? Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah didn't think that God was able to give them a baby in, her, in Sarah's old age. But God told, asked the question, is there anything too hard for the Lord? In other, and I love that question because the question really God is asking is, is there anything that can keep me from doing what I promised somebody I said I would do. Old age can't keep me from doing what I said I would do. Cancer can't keep me from doing what I said I'd do. Not having enough money can't keep God from doing 
what God said he would do. Not having enough support from your friends or your brothers and sisters in Christ cannot keep God from doing what God said he would do. Losing your job cannot keep God from doing what God said he would do. Getting kicked out of a church cannot keep God from doing what he said he would do. Your family walking out on you cannot keep God from doing what God said he would do. Quarantine would not keep God from doing what he said he would do. Being laid off cannot keep God from doing what God said he would do because God is powerful enough to raise up dead ovaries. God is powerful enough to raise up something that is barren. God is powerful enough to make it rain when there's never been rain. He can make it flood in a desert. God can do what no other power can do. God will do just what he said he would do. Can I get a witness in here today? I'm telling you that when we fulfill our, our vows to God, we, we somewhat look like God because God will do the very thing he promised he would do. If you don't believe me, just take a look at Jesus. Then he promised throughout the Old Testament that he would give us a savior. Didn't the Bible say unto us a son is given, unto us a child is born? Didn't God promise us a savior? And through 40 and two generations, the son of God came down to us, born through the womb of a virgin. Mary who had never had sex with any kind of man and then didn't he take that same Jesus raise him up on an old rugged cross put a crown of thorns on his head nails in his hand another nail in his feet didn't he die on that Friday night didn't they put him in a borrowed grave and he stayed there all night Friday night and it's all day Saturday all night Saturday night but early Sunday morning he got up with all power in his hands and the promise ain't over yet didn't he promise that he's coming back for us is anybody here understanding that Jesus will come back for us that history has not come to an end yet Jesus will come back for us and didn't the word of God say in Peter that God is not slack concerning his promise in other words listen time can come and go storms will come and go different eras will come and go various millennia will come and go but God is not slack concerning his promise one day Jesus will crack the sky can I get a witness here and I want to be ready is there anybody here who wants to be ready when Jesus comes because God made a promise and he will do just what he said he would do so I'm going to close by giving somebody a little exhortation when you make a vow vow something that God wants from you when you make a vow do so voluntarily when you make a vow fulfill that vow quickly when you make a vow realize you're vowing unto the Lord your God can I get a witness here and God will do just what he said he would do let me back up and make one thing crystal clear I'm not saying that your vow can make God move on your behalf I'm not saying that your vow can get God to do what you want him to do but your vow can tell God I'm that desperate your vow can tell God I'm that serious your vow can tell God I need it that badly why not give God a vow of something that God wants in the first place why not vow him that you'll be a living sacrifice holy and acceptable why not tell God I vow a vow that from this day forward 
I'm going to love you on your own terms. I'm going to stop loving you on my terms. But I love you the way you told me to love you. I love you when I'm happy. I love you when I'm sad. I love you when folk treat me right. I love you when folk treat me bad. I love you when I'm surrounded by my friends. I love you when I'm surrounded by my enemies. I love you when I'm up. And I love you when I'm down. I love you when my marriage is going well. I love you in the midst of divorce. Why not vow to love God like he told us to love him? I love you when my enemies attack me. I love you when my money runs out. I love you when I get a new job. I love you when I'm unemployed. I love you when I'm in good health. I love you when I'm sick and laying on my back. I love you, God. I vow to love you. I vow to praise you. Why not give God that kind of vow? I'll praise you. Hallelujah. Whether I'm happy or sad, I'll love you. I'll praise you through the good and the bad. I vow to praise you. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If he's been good to you, don't wait on your next blessing. Praise him now. Don't wait on your next blessing. Praise him now. Don't wait on your next miracle. Praise him now. Is there anybody here who can tell God, I don't need you to do nothing for me, but because you've been so good, because you brought me from a mighty, mighty long way, I owe you a praise. I vow to praise you. For what you've already done, I vow to praise you. For how you already moved, I vow to praise you. For how you already blessed. Hallelujah! 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 Is there anybody who has a vow to fulfill? Tell him thank you. Thank you. Thank you for you've done for me thank you thank you is there anybody here who owes god a thank you come on and pay your vow come on and pay your vow thank you thank you thank you thank you for being so faithful thank you thank you for doing all you already done. Thank you. Thank you. When I was unfaithful, you were still faithful. Thank you. Thank you for waking me up this morning, starting me on my way. Thank you. Putting food on my table, clothes on my back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For being so good, for being so awesome, for being so wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ain't it all right? Ain't it all right? Ain't it, ain't it? Ain't it, ain't it? Ain't it all right? Shout yes, shout yes. Somebody holler yes. Yes! Yes! Hallelujah! 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 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I vow to praise you. Hallelujah. I vow to give you glory. Hallelujah. I vow to bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I get my way, when I don't get my way, hallelujah. When it works out the way I want it to, when it works out the way I didn't want it to, hallelujah. 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 I give you glory. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for being so good. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Come on, is there anybody here? Is there anybody here who can bear witness? God never had to promise me anything. God never had to promise me anything. God didn't promise you this day, but he woke you up anyway. God didn't promise you that dump that money you got in your pocket, but he gave it to you anyway. God didn't promise you you'd wake up this morning, but he woke you up anyway. We don't have to make the vows that we make, but the ones that we do make, we got to honor them. Because we honor them unto a God who never owed us anything. Never had to promise us a savior. Never had to promise us everlasting life. Never had to promise us he'd never leave us nor forsake us. But he's been so good to us. He promised it anyway. And everything God has ever promised. He has done what he said he would do. Hallelujah. So the least you and I can do is whenever we make a vow that we do what we said we would do vow stuff God wants he wants you he wants you as a living sacrifice he wants you to live holy and acceptable come what may in your life he wants you and if he has you the least you can do every day in every situation whether he answered the prayer you, the way you wanted or not the least you can do is praising the least you can do is yet giving glory hallelujah this has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia we thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.